Welcome. This is the Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast. This is an IV Pod production. You can find us at IVPod.com. We are IV Pod on Facebook, IV Podcast on Twitter, and mail at IVPod is our email. Let's begin episode 78, the Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast. Hello, Clayton, over the laundry noise in the background. Hi, John. (laughs) How are you? I am lovely. Yes. Just fine. Yes. Happy eight-year anniversary. Eight years. That's a long time. Yes. It's average about ten and almost ten. It's roughly ten and up ten a year. So that's not bad when you think about it. So we started this in 2011? No, 2010. 10? So... Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it works out. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while. You know, we may have taken some breaks, but there for a while we were cranking them out, so it kind of works out the average to about 10 per season. Yeah, for a while we year. we had a couple of years where we did or a year at least where we did two a month. Yeah, for we sure. Every other week just about. Yeah. yeah. So this was progress. We've actually did two episodes back to back. What did we do 2 weeks ago, right? 3. Oh, okay. It was 3. Which these I'm days flying, man. Yes, time does fly. So yeah, so uh, happy eight-year anniversary to iPod, Ivy Pod, everybody. I just wanted to send out a quick, quick shout-out to some of our other local podcast or independent media personalities, so to speak. I mentioned them last time. Uh, My Worst Holiday is a show about your worst moments. It's a funny show, but I do have to say really quick to Jay, who's on that show, I'm pretty sure he had a critical or derogatory comment towards the end of the show about ABBA. And I am a fan of ABBA. Are you really? That might be. At, you know, at one point in my life, I might not have admitted that, but I don't care anymore. Right. Just I like, like Star Trek and Star Wars. All right. I don't care. Yeah. It's okay. You're married. So, you have children. And I'll take it even one step further. Cher just released a ABBA cover album. Oh, is any good? It is. Okay. It is. Taking a, We're going with Amanda to see Cher, so I had to kind of get... I actually don't know a lot of Cher songs, so I, I found that, that. I was that like, oh, one, I like ABBA. That so. one from like 20 years ago, the the remake, the oh, electronic version. Yeah, one. the electronic one. She digitized her voice and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, she was she was uh, early on, you know, on, you know, uh, early adapter to absolutely that she, breaking the ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, my worst holiday, Spark of Hope, Spark of Hope podcast i mentioned this last time but i didn't know the name of it this is a friend of ours megan who has a new podcast spark of hope podcast and i also forgot to mention it but the hard rock radio network is another local uh network of well it is what it is it's it's hard rock uh internet streaming radio which honestly though they're breaking into they're almost mainstream now i don't even know if i would call them they're not on the well no they're local but i don't even know how to say it to me that they're they're becoming kind of a big deal, so... Oh, really? Yeah, I think. So, well, well, cool. you know, I think that's pretty awesome for them. Um, but in fact, they made the News Tribune Reader's Choice Awards. They for got them. mentioned for local radio personalities, local radio stuff, which, if you know, for internet radio, that's kind of a big deal that I, people actually, you know, know. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's all. I just want to mention those real quick. Shout out to those, all those people. Keep it up. And, yeah, so today's show is, you know, we've got, oh, I I had something I wanted to talk about really quick, if you don't mind. Go ahead. 
Um, I, I often get asked, because we're talking about local radio, local radio personalities, I thought it was a good, good segue. Uh, I get asked a lot by people if I'm related to Brad Spellich, who's on 99.3 uh, WAJK and WLPO, which... Because uh, I get asked all sorts of questions. Is that your brother? Is that your, you know, is he, you know, cousin or whatever? So yes, he absolutely is my cousin. Although the odd thing, it's always a kind of a weird thing when people ask me because I don't actually know him. So right. despite there's not many spellages in the area, I don't know Brad. So it's really kind of sad. I, I hope that changes. But I wanted to mention that because uh, I do get asked that a lot. And um, but I think he's probably one of the best things on local radio. So if if you don't listen, check him out and. When's he? Uh, when's he on in the morning? It seems like he's on all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's he's he does news. He does just talk. He's on their morning ninety nine three show, which I was going to um, actually try to steal a segment from him. So one of his best segments, at least my kids love it, is his tough love with Siri. Mm-hmm. Goes on about seven thirty a.m. So when we're running a little late, we get to hear it. Okay. And they they'll, they'll stay in the car. I'm supposed to be so, supposed to be dropping them off for school, and they're like, "Wait, I want to hear." Siri, yeah. tough love with Siri. So I thought maybe I'm going to try since you know he is related. I thought maybe I can borrow his segment for this our show. Sure. So I wanted to ask Siri a question since um, he seems to do it, and they get a lot of good feedback. Uh, so Siri, I was wondering, you know, it's kind of hard getting back into our podcast and getting people to find out that we are list. You know, we're doing it again. What can we do? to get people listening to our show again. First off, John, your podcast is dumb and people have better things to do with their lives than listen to your show. Second, you can't take two-year breaks and expect people to hang on. Finally, the only spellage I will talk to is Brad. Never ask me a question again. Wow, that's cold-blooded. I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) the robots are taking over john they are dashing dreams (laughs) i'm sorry i'm probably just uh did something wrong you know 99.3 is gonna call us and say you can't do that yeah no problem i won't do that again (laughs) not gonna happen all right what do you want to talk about clayton i got i got we've got a lot of stuff we can talk about you want to jump into the bridge stuff do some beer stuff um what are you feeling I don't know. I uh, we could go. I don't know. You got any? Do you have any beers lately? Anything? Anything on that front? That probably no. Nah, not so much. I got. Let's think. I just had some Oktoberfest from Revolution, which is just you know you can't go wrong with Revolution beer. And fall is a good time of year for beer. Yes, absolutely. Fall and winter are the best. I like probably winter a little better, but I like fall second probably i don't know if there's really much uh, the summer beers and spring beer i don't know if there is a such thing as really a spring beer <clears throat> something lighter i guess but yeah like the the marzins the fall styles the oktoberfest styles that's yeah I, I it's weird because i used to be and i still am but you know the ipas mm-hmm. that kind of a drink or beer has been my beer of choice for i don't even know how long right. ever since i first drank moon man i think from new glarus i think i kind of got into that flavor yeah and but more recently, we went to Florida for vacation, and when I was down there, I was drinking drinking Yingling yeah. like crazy. Like that's just became the beer of choice because it seemed like it was on tap everywhere mm-hmm. that I went. And ever since then, I've just developed more of a taste for more like that wheat kind of style beer. I think that's more of a wheat beer, 
It's kind of more of like a Bud, Bud, Budweiser. It's not, not that's not right. Some lager more, or something, or, some, or a little heavier beer, a little more malt, probably. Malt, yeah, that's yeah. probably a good. So, and I've that's been, an Oktoberfest is malt. And yeah, and that's what I've been kind of. So lately, I've been kind of ever since that trip, I've been list, drinking more of those types of beers. Uh, in fact, it's, yeah, I, so that's... And Yingling's pretty huge, actually. It's frustratingly uh, huge, because if you look at the map of their distribution, it surrounds Illinois. Yeah. It's all over the East Coast, down South, right up to Illinois, and it stops. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> and that keeps it interesting for everybody. I mean, it's really a... It, it's not... It, is it still even considered craft, or are they owned by someone? I don't think so. I think they're owned. I don't think they... Um, actually, I don't know if they're owned by anybody. No, I'm not... I don't think they are. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. But I, I, um, there's they, they don't. They're just a regular old, you know, American style lager, and then they have some other ones too. Obviously. Yes, and yeah. I know there's a lot of big fans. They're pretty good. Um, I think Illinois might be a pain in the butt to try to distribute into. It seems like the it. from from that are. article you sent me from yeah. the Deb Carey, the owner or president of New Glarus, right. which was just a fantastic article. Right. What was that in? Was that the? Um, that wasn't the Verge, was it? No, no it wasn't the Verge. It was um. Growler, Growler. Yeah, no, that was Growler.com or something. Because the um, whole article yeah, is about the story of New Glarus and Deb Carey and what she did. Yeah, it's a woman like so. She, Deb and and um, Dan Carey are the were the founders of New Glarus, and I think that they, I guess you might call them owners still, but they're actually employee owned. Yes, they get into that, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and she talked about going and dealing with distributors and trying to get her beer on the market and knowing she had a good product, but what it was like to be a woman um, in that. What they were today, 25 years now? I think so. So about that, that was kind of what it was. The article was about their 25 years in the business and how it's changed and whatever. And she gets into dealing, as a woman, dealing with distributors and how hard it was to um, get through it all. And I think the highlight of that article for me was when she mentioned um, going to see, uh, going to, a, uh, it must have been a conference for beer producers or something. And there was a, a, a guy from Sierra Nevada, I believe, that was giving a, a speech on how to deal with. Are given a presentation on how to deal with distributors, the wholesalers, yeah, yeah, and wholesalers, and and he, uh, she did raise her hand and she said, "Well, you know, I feel like it's especially tough because I'm a woman." And he said, and she swore a lot in this article, but yeah, she, he said something to the effect of, "You better forget that shit right now because yeah. that's not going to help you." Just for your, just so you know, they're all they're assholes to everybody, and it doesn't right. matter, right? And it doesn't matter. <laughs> and she said that moment was ma- it was a huge moment for her, yeah, like in hindsight. But I think in that in the at the time he said it, it pissed her off. And oh, she right. went, you don't, you know, stuff she said in the article that they would do her. It's hilarious. Just, uh, just awful. Oh, yeah, awful. No, I was going to say, I thought you were saying her, the stuff she says in the article is yeah, hilarious. She, yeah, she does. She, she, she didn't, she doesn't, doesn't mince her words. So we, <laughs> when we went on our tour, was that, in, it was 2009. It now. was a good, it was, yeah, Almost it was 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, and we went for a, a brew tour, and that sort of kicked off my craft beer sort of yeah, same here. A voyage and just being like, well, now this just happened. Now I got to try everything. And um, she she was that way in front of us because she yeah. was talking about you know when we started we weren't going to be uh, we weren't trying to sell out basically we wanted to make sure that our employees cared about where they were and that we were going to treat them like family and we wanted to make sure they had a, a fair wage and, and, and quality good benefits and and live right you know we want to we want to be a good karma product you know yeah um, and I think they've lived up to that and that Absolutely. that value system is something that. Um, if whatever business you're in, I don't think you can replace. And I don't. I think it, eventually it comes out in the product, um, and you can taste it. I think, I mean, or maybe. Um, seems like it. Their beer's all good. I had serendipity last night. It's nice. awesome. The fruit 
fruit beers. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool article. And, and I, I, I don't know if I, we were, there was a segue into something else there. Was I going somewhere with that? Other no, than just I was in gonna, general. No, I was going to ask you if you had a yeah. If you get, I know you could probably go on and on. You got you, you're a connoisseur of the beers. Uh, yeah, you got, got any? I got a got nice a stash going right now. What yeah. would be uh, your recommendation for people right now? Um, I, I guess um, for I was, an October beer. How about that for a fall beer? Um, I did try the Galloping Ghost from Triptych. That's out of Savoy, Illinois. That was pretty good. It's like a hoppy red ale, so it's malty, but with like a biting kind of hop front up front, okay. prickly, you know. Um, other than that, I, I tried an, an Ainger, which is like a, a German brewery, I believe. It's family-owned since like the 1800s, and they have um, a really good Heffa that's available. If you outside, I, I haven't found it locally, but... Um, that's outstanding and it reminds me of when I was in high school and went to Germany when I was 17 and my mom signed the thing so we could drink and I remember tasting like wheat beer for the first time or I guess Heffa or whatever but trying it for the first time and being like oh okay so this is different yeah. than any beer and I hadn't drank much at that point anyway so I didn't really the but beer, it really probably, <laughs> beer tastes weird when you're that young yeah when you're 17 yeah and it was um I gained a real appreciation for something, you know, outside of like your traditional. I don't think I, if anything, I had like Budweiser, Bud Light, and didn't really like it much if, right. at all. And then I was like, okay, so this is a thing too. And and so um, th- that's what that reminds me of is that. And then they have an Oktoberfest that was real clean and that malt. It was just like true to the style. I thought that one was really good too. But um, yeah, any of the the like you said, the Revolution ones, solid. The um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, if you're, I don't know. There's their uh, Abbey Radium City. I always hit. They have their half past red. That's Radium like City, hoppy red. Yeah. Um, I don't City. know if that one's out right now. Tangled but. Roots has. Uh, they've got an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. She's good. Is I've, it? I, yeah. No, I've tried that one. That's nice. Very good. Uh, yeah. I did, yeah. There's so many of them out there. I think most of them are pretty. It's solid. hard to go wrong right now. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess that's that's worth noting. I know I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it. We were going to talk about it last week. But there was an episode of The Indicator, which is a spinoff of Planet Money. Oh. And they did an episode all about the hops industry. And the, 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 the story behind it is, so when we went to New Glarus about 10 years ago, that was actually a little right around the time when the craft beer thing just surged. And suddenly it was just starting to boom. People were making drives up to New Glarus to get beer like that. And people suddenly were starting to see here and there small breweries popping up. And just over the last 10 years, it's just obviously where we are right now. It's it's, it's the best. I I think it's probably flattening out. Well, see, now that's the thing. So the article was about the hops business and the fact that as a result of this huge surge in, in, in beer, that the hops, like the farmers... When there's a huge demand for something, well, they're going to go ahead and plant more. So, but the it takes a few years for the plants to grow. I'm pretty sure. Okay, to and just get them established to, and get a good. Yeah, so they went ahead and they planted like crazy. But then what happened was, and I don't remember if this was just, it was within the past maybe two years, um, maybe three years that the the craft beer industry did actually kind of. It's not that it's not growing anymore, but it's just not growing at the rate that it used to. Right. And suddenly, there's way more hops than they need because nice. they overplanted. That's so good. as a result, the the price of hops just plummeted. Really? Yeah. So I mean, it's a great thing if you're a beer brewer and buying your hops, but if you're a hop farmer or you know the people who trade in the hops that business. 
Not so good. Right. Is there hot futures, you think, like on the I would imagine, yeah. CME, the Mercantile Exchange or whatever? Yeah, I would imagine. It seems like there's futures on all sorts of crops. Yeah, there's, yeah. Look into that. Yeah, yeah. What no, is, it was what is a good, uh, like, uh, Washington grown, uh, like, <laughs> hop go for? Like, what's a good one? What, what are the ones that we, what's in Moon Man? Let me see. All I know is that they said that I thought that they, they were talking about a, where, I thought I had it written down. Crap. Yeah, I don't have it here. I, I I'm pretty sure it was like a ninety percent drop. Yeah. Like it, you know, just wow. For, I didn't know it was that. That's insane. That's crazy. It amount. is not good. Um. So for yeah, no, for the hop farmer, not good. So which, which kind of, I'd be curious to know from like tangled roots guys, if, like, if it makes sense for them to have that farm, uh, on the uh, south side. Yeah, Ottawa, that's interesting. Cascade is what I was trying to think of. Nice. Oh, that brings yeah, the yeah. Citrus to the party. Yes, I, I believe. Um, yeah, even if the even if by the price, even if there it costs them more to produce it than it does for them. I'm wondering if it's kind it, of gotten to the may, point. It may be that, but yeah. I think there's still that. Th- there's well, value in the idea that they grew their own. Yeah, right? and they've got the control. And they locally, can make what they want. Right. They can that, change yeah, it. Right. And there's a lot more varieties coming out too. So I'm like hearing different ones, where I'm like, well, can't say I've ever heard of that one. And and like, I think uh, Sierra Nevada just came out with their Southern Hemisphere variety pack or something. It's just just the whole cotton is just cool. Like they're just like, they're all different. And that's like, a, uh, what is it? It's not Stone. Um, the one over they come out. They have Luponic Distortion. You had that one. Um, Hang on just a second. We might have a technical problem. Nope, we're just okay. fine. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, there's the Luponic uh, Firestone, I believe. Firestone Walker has their Luponic Distortion series. And their idea, like, they try to blend their hops to bring out different, like, this is mango and blah, blah, blah. So they, they make their, they do different hop blends to bring out the different types of flavors that they shoot for. And that's kind of fun when ex- experimenting with the different types that you can get so i could go we could carry on as we well had. no it's it's the same and i i there was a i think i hate to keep bringing up planet money but i'm pretty sure it was a planet money episode it was either planet money or freakonomics where they had a a whole podcast about the apple industry and just oh, how yeah, the variations yeah. I, I in totally apples. listen i love that yeah and just the, there was a guy in washington state i believe who just was planting Thousands and thousands right. of variations, just trying to come right. up with well, new when blends. When we were kids, Honeycrisp, uh, if anything, were not uh, around. I don't, I don't even know if it was a, a, a version, a hybrid yet, or whatever. It wasn't even a, out there yet. Now, Honeycrisps are, you know, prolific, right? Yeah, yeah. So now they're they're saying like, wasn't on that episode they said there's another style that's going to just take over. Too. Yes, it's like it's the end of the uh, Red Delicious apple. Yeah, which right. In the world of apples, is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I still eat them. It, it looks good because they're cheap. It, well, they're cheap and they look, but they're mealy. They're yeah, not, they don't. I, they don't. They're not tart. They I like tart. Yeah. So, like, I, I, Luce, my daughter likes uh, like green apples, like Granny Smith or Golden Delicious. Yeah. Or, and I, those, those are fine. But I mean, I'll take like a good Gala or, um, you know, Honeycrisp apple any day. But you go to the grocery store and they're three fifty or four bucks a pound, and you buy three of them, and you're like, oh. oh. Yeah, eight bucks. For yeah, like, you don't think about it when you're filling up that bag. Yeah, right. And I don't even think about it. I, I like, I like, oh, three, yeah, three fifty per pound. But you oh. big old honking apples, and you get four or five of them for six Whoops. or eight bucks or whatever it is. Why is yeah. my bill so high? Yeah. What, what happened? Apples were over a dollar each. Like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Holy cow! So pretty crazy. I, I well, like that stuff. That that we get get into hybrids, uh, different varieties of fruits and vegetables. Like they, you could like we could talk to my brother and do the whole seed thing. I mean, there's 
all kinds of people out there that are trying to keep the heirloom varieties and all that stuff going, but there's something to be said for the experimentation and the coming out with you know, new varieties as well. Yeah. Sure. If you can, especially if you can create some sort of a vegetable that's, you know, bugs don't want to eat and, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's different types of things, not just the flavor. Well, genetically modified. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm okay with genetically modified as long as I don't grow another arm. Right. Right. It's not, not it's inherent to the industry and to the beer grow and stuff, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Interesting. There's our beer talk, John. I, I, I did, I don't really have any, any other recommendations okay, or anything. Okay, cool. That's perfect. I, well, huh. That would be a thing to go into the farming, but you've just talked about some farming. How about we, well, you want to, you want to tackle this bridge topic? I'd like to. I, I you know, reading uh, what we got on our dock, it's interesting. We have um, a few different bridge projects going up, right? Obviously, the Spring Valley Bridge. Yeah, Spring uh, Valley Bridge just finishing up. So Utica's the- coming up soon, yes. right? Yes. Uh, yep. They already started that. It's just, it, it's, oh, did they start? I don't, I, they I don't know if they're I'm starting sure. to prep, prep around where they're going to be doing I wouldn't, it. Im- I would imagine they're probably surveying. Uh, I don't and go that way often, though, so I don't know for sure. No, but, me neither. Uh, yeah, you would have. It's, well, and it's in, we thought thought our current president was supposed to be launching some of the biggest infrastructure pack, infrastructure packages in history. I haven't seen a whole lot of talk on right. that. At least locally, we've had a few of the, the old bridges Right. Go away. So that's good. And that's kind of what spawned my thought because I, over the summer, I was driving, commuting. Um, I was dropping off my kids at my uh, sister in law, Stacy's house in the valley, Spring Valley. So I would commute over the Spring Valley Bridge every day this summer. Mm-hmm. So I had a really good viewpoint of the construction. Cool. I mean, the day in, day out, just watching it come along. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of what made me start thinking about this because I, I see them doing this and i was really impressed actually how fast they moved they really threw that thing up there quick it was with it over the course of what 18 months i think so yeah. yeah it was yeah it was really impressive and but while i'm watching them do this i'm watching them put these mammoth beams up and stretching over the river and i'm looking and i'm just saying to myself where's the superstructure where's the trusses where's the you know the where's cables the, where's the support bridge yeah where's the bridge it's <laughs> just traditionally a, it's know just it. a road going across the river i'm like what what is this and then and it kind of clicked in my head that the same experience kind of ha- happened in my brain um well i guess it's almost 20 years ago now when 2001 is when they replaced the shipping sport bridge in LaSalle, the bridge that yeah. is on 351 that would yeah. go over to the, you know, right. Jonesville, Piety Hill. Yeah, we we're, our, our, we're the last Ivy uh, people going to the community college at, uh, yes, that we had, had, to, had to go, had to stuck by the bridge. Yes, got stuck <laughs> on the bridge. That was a legitimate thing. That was an ex- a legitimate <laughs> excuse with teachers because, I mean, geez, it, it's nothing like getting stuck with a train. I mean, with if you got stuck at the beginning of when that, that lift bridge went up you could be there 10 minutes yeah well and if you live in ottawa 10 minutes on for a train is oh is that uh, about is oh, that far they, 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 i think they're supposed to be less than that but it's not unheard of to be stuck oh, for God. more than 10 15 minutes really? regularly oh yeah it just depends on like if the unit trains are going or the big 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 honking yeah but yeah so the same thing though yeah well, I and it was I, fun watching it go up and all that. Oh, I loved it. I loved that old shipping sport bridge. I mean, that I a little bit of trivia. It was built in 1929. Got replaced in 2001. The bridge itself was named for a Civil War hero, Harvey J. Shipping Sport. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't believe when I read that, but apparently that's true. He's he did is you get uh, that off Wikipedia. <laughs> I did, so it, it could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. 
uh, it's um, he was a commercial fisherman who used who lived right there on the Illinois River nearby that bridge, and he would uh, he was a major supplier of bait to the area. Oh, that's how he made his fortunes, and ah. for that they named the bridge after him. So, um, but that was a. And I thought that was interesting. They used fifty horsepower engines to lift a four hundred and fifty ton span. So that was an old style truss bridge, and just like similar to the Spring Valley Bridge, you know, it's just this big arching truss mm-hmm. um, assembly, and and just it's really I I always love those style bridges. I think they're really cool to see. I think they're fun to drive over those bridges. Mm-hmm. And so when they started replacing that one in Shippingsport Bridge and then now the Spring Valley Bridge, I started, I was a little disappointed in a way because I just, the, just having a road going over the river doesn't seem as extravagant as those old style bridges. And I was wondering, well, what has really changed over the, the years where they can do that, where they don't need that um, truss framework? And I tried to Google directly that question and I was not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. So then I went to my brother and he asked his, his engineering, structural engineering friends at the Cook County Highway Department. And they told me one phrase. They said, just Google um, fracture critical, that wor- those two words, and you'll find out everything you need to know. Okay. I did, and that's exactly what I did. I, I started Googling that. And next thing I know, I'm on this rabbit hole of information on bridges. What is fracture critical? What is that in reference to? What is fracture critical is a term that it, it's really... During the during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, this was very common. Uh, a fracture critical bridge was one that was erected where, and this is no fault on them. You know, they were building bridges based on what they knew at the time. But a fracture critical bridge, in, in short, doesn't have any redundancy built into it. You know, in a lot of in like engineering, we 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 might call it factor of safety. You know, when you're designing something, you want there to be a certain bit of redundancy so that if something goes wrong, right. you've covered it. You've right. made it extra bulky, extra beefy, right. to you know, but not too beefy. You know, you got to be within a certain level well, of control, so you're not making too. the thing too crazy costly. Uh, so, but the redundancy aspect is so that if something happens traumatic to that bridge, say a section of the the bridge gets hit by in a major accident, or just through natural wear and tear. Uh, or or environmental factors, the bridge wears out, and a section, a major section of that bridge, fails. In a fracture critical bridge, the whole bridge will fail. There's no redundancy. One major component fails. Everything comes down. Right. Which and is we've, we've seen that. Yeah, we totally have seen that. That was uh, the Minnesota bridge. That mm-hmm. was back in. I have it down. Not here that somewhere. long ago. It was well. It was probably longer than i think it was <laughs> it no no it really wasn't that long ago it was back i want to say it was in the late 2000s that that happened so that's what a fracture critical bridge is now okay. that's not necessarily that's sort of part of the reason with what's going on with these new bridges so there's actually there's a there's a it's not one answer i guess is what i found out the more i looked into this okay that, you know that new bridges just over time I mean, you can imagine. So, a common the common construction method for a bridge or the main support is an I beam. You know, and it is what it, it is what it sounds like. It's a beam shaped like an I. Now, there's different versions of I beams. Two thousand twelve, John. Was it two thousand? Okay, I was wrong. I was close, but I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> with the I thirty five Minnesota bridge collapse, one hundred fifty okay. people injured, thirteen were killed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
So as a result of that, you know, there was a lot of, there was a big infrastructure push for replacing a lot of these or identifying these bridges that were both fracture critical, which means they had no redundancy built into them. And second, um, deficient, structurally deficient, okay. ones that are just wearing out. Okay. To be, and they, they identified 20 plus thousands. I mean, just a mammoth number of bridges that were deficient, structurally deficient, whether that things are rusting and wearing out or or the environment's just just beaten on or no or just regular wear and tear the metals deforming the concrete's cracking right. all these things combined so there was Here, that. here's the stats though so federal bridges and i assume this is I, I, if it's a federal bridge i don't know what that means but there's 607,380 bridges out of that this is back in 2013 65,605 were structurally deficient and 20,808 were fracture critical. So, so you put and, and 7,795 were both. So okay. That's the number that's scary. So if they're both, both of those things, that means there's something wrong with the bridge that could go wrong, and then it's fracture critical, so it could go down when that thing goes wrong. So that create a bit of an alarm. And this is not something that, it's not like this is new. This is something they knew about. It's just that that major bridge collapse in Minneapolis kind of drew major attention to this and helped kind of push some of the projects yeah, that's forward. Good. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I think it's worth assuming that, I mean, I didn't find a direct correlation when I was looking at some of this stuff that the Spring Valley Bridge is a result of this, but I think it's fair to assume that the Spring Valley Bridge was changed as a result of this major infrastructure right. push so to I'm get guessing rid of these old fracture critical bridges. that bridge probably was. Right? Yeah, any, I would say... For the most part, unless they did some modification to it, if it was the, the fact that it was built in 1929, um, yeah, it was fracture critical. I think it's okay. that's well, fair. the Spring Valley Bridge was built that long ago, or yeah, what? okay, oh no, yeah, the fra- that was um, the Spring Valley Bridge was built 1934, so okay, also wow. very old, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, if people found that one to be scary to drive over, just I did, yes, I found that one a bit more scary, rounded, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and it was narrow. Yeah, I like Utica sh- Bridge. Just a little spooky too. A little bit. You got that big incline, and then also it's it's a uh, metal, like the 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 span part. Actually, you could see through, right? Yes. Yeah, I rode yes. my bike over that one before. Really? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Wow, I never did that. It, well, it was it was just yeah, and it was a little creepy just being on a bicycle because you look down and it was like you're on metal grating and you're just like. <laughs> going for it you know yeah and it, the, the, the wasn't even that part wasn't scary it was more as so much as the cars i don't know being, if the utica if the utica or spring valley had metal grading but the shipping sport certainly I, I, utica does oh it does i'm pretty sure oh, or wow. did or does maybe yeah i don't know i'm almost I'm sure gonna have to drive i don't know if there. the entire thing did but the part you rode your bike yeah. over did <laughs> oh that's scary i think it did the span part does you'd have to see it yeah i'm okay certain okay Wow. Ask Pete Mazak. Okay. <laughs> you Pete, might if you're remember. listening, yeah. call into the show. Yeah, we have to have you on next, <laughs> next time, and we'll talk about riding on bikes over that. So, know, for no reason. They, uh, they, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I guess So, uh, fracture critical bridges well, and. So, the, so to the take r- it back a step, like, fracture critical is, that kind of got me going on, you know, finding out this. And that's definitely something, that whole concept of fracture critical deficient is what has led to a lot of the common bridges well, to be replaced. And that, if you think about, did you ever build a bridge out of straws or popsicle sticks or anything sure. like that? So 
if you applied a load to it and you took out one element, so in my head, that's how I'm envisioning this. And you just, if you just broke one truss or one part of it, it was going to break. I mean, the yeah. whole thing was going to fail. And that's a good way to think of these. So sure. They're like in terms of the redundancy of it, where like you just get rid of this one element here and the whole thing, it's just the linchpin, but it's almost the entire thing is a linchpin. I'm sure there's parts of it that you could probably break and maybe the whole thing wouldn't fail completely. But if you're thinking of a big span, that's a bridge like that. Yeah, it's like, and now now you start getting into the steel part, and that's where you're kind of headed, I think. So well, exactly because like, how do you make a bridge redundant? You can make a bridge redundant by adding more the girder, which is the main support that beam that's on the underside of it that you see. And uh, uh, any bridge I, I saw, it was a federal standard that any bridge that has more than two girders, uh, the I beams that are on the underside, if it has more than two, then it's considered redundant. Now a lot of states have their own requirements that say you have to have at least four. Mm-hmm. So, but even even then, you're still getting into the question of, well, how do you, these beams, like the beams that were used back when they built these bridges originally back in the 1929s. I mean, that the concept of making a beam is, is gone, goes back to the late 1800s is right. when they came up with how to make a beam. It's like the common way to do that is like a, 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 a hot rolled method where they take a, a steel plate, they put it in a furnace, they heat it up, and then they put it on a conveyor and brute force drive it through a set of rollers that mm-hmm. shapes it to whatever they want so but but you know you think back then 1920s they were limited to the power they could create because it could take a small beam can take a thousand tons of force to form it to the shape you want so now that so they, they were limited by the capabilities of their machines at what size beams they could make now here we are now where everything's bigger. Our machine capability is so much better. Materials are better. Efficiency. And just electricity efficiency. generation. We're not just burning coal. We have power nuclear and like, natural and, gas. and Oh, so much more power. And, and, and the control. Power's cheap, too. Oh, sure. And the the control of it. I saw a picture of like one of these places that makes the beams. All It looks like a like a command center you'd think at like mm-hmm. NORAD or something all these computer screens everywhere where they can they can test down to 50 micron level uh, like in, uh, on, in, on in this, real time in real time yeah. like yeah like it's it's amazing what they what they can do and how precise these materials can be well, so that's that's the automation world we're living in now where exactly that for real that, and then you can remove the human element because you can have real time decision making where things will be automatically programmed to happen if other things happen and just, yeah, it's awesome. So that's part of the reason why, you know, now they can make these better beams and better structural elements to support these bridges. And then in addition, in they now use in bridges high-performance steel, which, so that was the structural side of things. Then you get in the material science side of things where now beams, the materials that go into it is so much better than it was then. I, I, I read a thing about high performance steel where it's the yield strength on this stuff is so much stronger and it's not only that they don't have to paint it mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's corrosive or it's uh, resistant to corrosion just like stainless steel is. I mean and they started using that high performance steel actually around the time of the shipping sport bridge. I, I actually saw that specifically huh. it was commented. Just so expensive you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't want to put it in a bridge is that no no it's it's at the point it was new it was i don't know actually when they invented high oh, performance okay. steel but it was became common enough that they were able to start using it i know at least in the shipping sport bridge time of the 2000s because that bridge is used with they did use that uh material to build that bridge so i mean so there's the material side of things there's 
the fact that they can make these massive beams now. Um, but then uh, they've also, something I noticed when I would drive by the Spring Valley Bridge is they're not straight beams. They're, they're cambered or curved. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's a result of, again, it's, it's just new technology being able to create so much force that not only can you create this huge beam that's able to withstand massive forces, but you can create a machine even bigger that's able to form it uh, right. and form these because they'll, they'll put a natural arc. Because if you figure back in the Roman days, you know, the arc, the arch pad, you know, that's how they built everything because the arch is a self-supporting design. I mean, it, it, it's a super strong mm-hmm. feature. I mean, but there are limitations with it. But so with these beams now, they're putting an arch shape into it to resist the weight of the the cars and the concrete so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a combination of that and then like the fourth thing that i saw that's kind of a big deal with why this is so common now versus back then was just now it's the uh it's almost like kits they if you think of it i thought of it like when i read the thing i thought of it like a lego kit like if you get a one of those free kits where it's just like all the different shapes and you can just free build whatever Mm -hmm. you want it's a whole lot easier to build a bridge if you're given a kit with instructions and packets that have everything right. si- separated by subassembly. Right. So you, you think about that and like it's bridge like a pole forms. barn now almost. You yeah. Know, I just, want the just, 40 by 60 yeah. with the 12 foot ceiling or the 16 foot ceiling and like okay we'll put, make sure we throw in the right you know ceiling joists and or whatever truss, trusses and whatever you know what I mean like that kind of thing. Yeah. So you just you add all those factors together and now it's just this bridge building stuff is. It's at a place now where it wasn't before. So there, there's places that are manufacturing, the, the, or have the ability to make the parts that fit in, in just about any scenario. So these these cambered beams are, you know, there's I mean, that, they're that's already where, made. Ahead. I mean, everything's pre-laid out, pre-designed, and that's another thing they didn't have. And and part of the reason it's like I felt like at first when I started reading it, reading this, and I was, I started thinking about the guys who were designing these things back in the fifties. How Oh man, what, did they know what they were getting themselves into? But I read that you know a lot of the, there was a big after World War II. Eisenhower went and saw the Autobahn, and he wanted to create that here in the U.S. So there was a huge push for highways, interstate highways, and yeah. bridges. And they didn't have a lot of time, and things were moving really fast. So right. a lot of these bridges were built with the expectation they were really going to be replaced in twenty to thirty years. And here we are. They're Right. They're, they're lasting a lot longer than that, but now they're they've got some problems. But yeah. um, but they didn't have what we have now. Like now, the engineers who design these bridges, they they design it everything in the computer first, piece by piece. Everything's laid out. Then they put it through analysis tools that will put the forces on it. They can comp- replicate anything like wind, wind vibrations, the load, weight, yeah. different types of load. I mean anything. They can simulate that in the computer and get it all worked out. I mean, it's just, and then they they figure all that out ahead of time. They package it up and then they send it to the site. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I saw a video. I mean, speaking of bridges, I literally last week, and I want to say, I don't know if it was an international thing or whatever, but it was a tour bus going over a, a small suspension bridge that had a very low weight limit. Like, and it was like one of these bridges that was fracture critical. Um, and the whole thing just goes like as it's driving over, you could see the bridge starting to dip. And I, I should find it because we should oh, share wow. that. And it's a cool. It, it did, didn't go down. It didn't go down, but people were like yelling and honking their horns at them to be like, "Oh my god!" 
Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, Psycho? Like, it was a bus Ooh. full of people, like a tour bus type, you know, like a we see. And it was like, it was, it was cool because you don't see Bridges flex necessarily. No, at least you don't <laughs> want to. And right. I can't say I've ever seen that. Yeah. Holy cow. It was, it was pretty wild. <laughs> totally wild. Um, yeah. I, I should have sent it to you before. Now I, oh. now I'm not going to be able to find it. Oh, but, of course. Um, we can look, but it's interesting. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of long and short of what I wanted to talk about. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not, it wasn't, there's not one reason why we are where we are with the bridges. It's just a combination of advancements in technology. I mean, I guess it's really obvious when you think about it. I mean, advancements in technology, you know, advancements in material science, and um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's about it, I mm-hmm. guess. I mean, it's just, it's come a long way. So if you wonder why, you know, the bridges don't have trusses and that things anymore, it's, that's why. That, now they just put a bunch of ginormous beams, girders underneath the road and they call it a day. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I, and I'm, I'm focusing on the steel, steel side of it, but it's not just the steel. You think about the advancements in the concrete and steel yeah. reinforced concrete and the machines that they use to pile drive this stuff down into the river mm-hmm. bed itself have grown and gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. Everything's advanced. So right. they can do so much more. So, yeah, I guess that's that's about it on bridges. That's good stuff. We may have bo- bored some people, but I apologize. I wanted to, that that was an interesting a stuff you should know style segment for our show. Yeah. I liked it. I, as you get into it, you're, you don't realize what you take for granted in terms of infrastructure. Oh, right. Um, and and uh, you know, if something like that were to fail, people would be outraged. But no one has a problem. You know, oh, we want to pay more taxes. It's like, well, yeah, sometimes. But it, yeah. I don't know where the connection there is. But I mean, we got to pay for this stuff, and there is an aging infrastructure, and it is really important to do it and do it right. And it is it is kind of funny. Like I think you're right with the Eisenhower thing. That was interesting. Is that that. They really did think that they had every 25 or 35 years or something, we're going to be replacing replace, something. Some yeah. of the stuff is 60, 70 years old. Yeah, it's like, still going. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should probably do something about that. Yeah, it's, it's you can't just, you can't, it's like driving around on old tires. Like, at a certain point, you can keep blow. going. Yeah, you yeah. go ahead, push it. Yeah. Push it. It's fine. Which it's fine. I'm very no, good I, at pushing I keep it. an eye on them, but that's not good <laughs> enough. I am, uh, I push it. Yeah. Yes. Usually to the breaking point. Yeah. That's... And then you and then you go. Ah, well, I found out how long that was going to yep, last. Yeah, had <laughs> yeah. that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just don't do it on the important stuff, right? Right. <clears throat> well, Clayton. Yeah. With that, let's take a thirty-second break. That sounds Thirty-second break and 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 yeah. Let's good. do it. Okay, so we've just uh, explained everybody about local bridges, so you can think about that next time you're driving over yeah. lovely Illinois River. I just shared the video of the 35-ton bus going over a bridge in Arkansas. Yes, That's I watched it. a 10-ton bridge. And it's it, shocking. It literally flexes. So, it does not fail, although it's probably permanently damaged. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a fat person sitting in an old chair. It's as as like, it oh, that re- chair ain't going to bounce back. <laughs> trying to get my terminology straight. As long as it didn't reach its plastic deformation point, 
That would okay. be the. I bet you learned technical. that at your fancy school. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, Clayton. I after the last show, I took your advice and I watched a few episodes. Actually, last night because I I thought I knew we were going to record and I thought I'm going to watch a few episodes of that Hot Ones oh, on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I was hysterical. I watched the one with uh, Kevin Hart. Okay, and then I watched the Ten- Tenacious D. Oh, one. I haven't seen either of those ones. And uh, and then also um, Brian Cranston. Okay, one which, but the Tenacious D and Kevin Hart. Oh, they're <laughs> so to 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 it watch sucks you in, doesn't it? The show it does. The watch their pain is just it's. I'm sorry, it's so funny mm-hmm. because they prog- he progresses it through from low heat to super crazy ridiculous heat. I mean. They start at Sriracha, and for me, that's I, you know, that's kind of my. It's I don't go much almost. higher. Yeah. I don't go is much that, higher yeah, than the, Sriracha. That, that reach your defamation point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I can go higher, but I don't feel that it's necessary because I don't want to, you Sriracha, know, be in pain. You can overdo it, I, and and that one, like on the Scoville scale, isn't crazy, but. Um, yeah, yeah. They'll start. Sometimes it's Louisiana. Sometimes it's Tabasco or whatever. So different versions of wing sauces. But yeah, they went they to and, over a friggin' million on the Scoville. So they started at like a th- twelve hundred or fifteen hundred up, which I think was sriracha, and then they end up around a million. Uh-huh. And it's just that that progression of seeing them. And you know he's so funny because he talks to them through the thing. Right. Tries to keep them talking, and then they just they can't do it. They become sort of delirious. Like, excuse me. I, I I think I watched the one with uh, Johnny Knoxville. Is okay. That what, did we talk about that one last time? Or? We didn't really. T- you mentioned it, but we didn't okay. really talk about it. Yeah. He was like, "I need some more of my water," and he said, <laughs> come over with a Miller Light can and fill up his glass. <laughs> it's like that's nice. And beer, yeah. I think, actually is one of the things. I don't know if it actually helps, but it seems to. Me personally, uh, I know they were trying some different things. It seemed like milk and water were like the main things they were using to try to to stop it. My personal, bread. so where were we? It's got to be I, bread. I mean, that's the ultimate. Bread and water are good, but for me, salty chips. If I oh, eat okay. anything salty, like and specifically a salty chip, potato potato chip or tortilla chip, something really salty, that for me that helps. Okay, I think I feel like and. And I was, I, I'll go like okay, so you go to Buffalo Wild Wings. What's your what's as hot as you'll go? And I have yet to try the top, the one at the very bottom of the list. I've never done it. Yeah, I think and those the, I think actually are in the the mango habanero. I think is the hottest those one are I've good. done. Um, those are, but the, I don't see. I'm weird though. I that one's down lower. That doesn't seem hot. And it to me the the medium uh, buffalo is hotter than the jalapeno, the mango habanero one. I don't yeah, just because the mangoes maybe the. It's just cut with the sweet, so it just doesn't feel as much. Maybe. Um, yeah, and I think actually the hottest ones now, and I think they've actually changed the recipe, so they're hotter. Not to be them too much love, but like, um, I they are in that 600, 650,000 range or something. They might even Which be hotter ones? than that. The hottest hot. Really? Yeah. Hi. So they don't mess around there. I mean, that those are legitimately, you know, scorch your, scorch your okay. a-hole, you know, big time. <laughs> yeah, blow you up. Because I've sat there and gotten sweaty. You're like, yeah. Oh, I you have start to. breathing heavy. If you get the hiccups, it's over. And well, that's nothing funnier than that. So, I may have told you, like, I went on a, I had some things where I identified some some sensations I was getting, and I I identified that it was a spicy food. It was causing me some issues with my stomach. Yeah. And I cut cold turkey, all hot, spicy stuff all together, and it actually fixed my problem. Yeah. But recently, I've been, um, you know. 
dabbling back into the spicy stuff. But that first time I went back to um, Blazin Buffalo are, Wild Wings. Blazin' are 350000 so I overstated it. Yeah, that's still ridiculous. I mean, it's too too much. But the first time I went back to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and had the spicy habanero um, after not having anything spicy for literally like two years, yeah, I uh, I was in pain. Really, <laughs> I was wow. I was. But now I'm fine. I'm back. Yeah, into you just that can't zone. do it all the time, and you just limit. Don't eat twelve. You just got to get used to it, yeah. and that was my problem. I got so used to spicy food that I was using sriracha like ketchup. No, it was yeah. just it was on everything. You're just torturing. Yeah, I was torturing my stomach. It, it just and and my stomach let me know it. So. But enough about my health issues. Yeah, I, lo- I love sitting down. I mean, there's nothing more fun than watching someone. I mean, especially if you're... It, it's fun to do it, but it's more fun to watch your friend do it. Oh, yeah. Than just watch him suffer. I was like, we went to... I remember being in... Um, <laughs> my brother graduated from basic. We went on the road trip down there and watched him from uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, right? And we stopped at... I don't know. It was like somewhere in like Georgia, central Georgia. And we, we it was a wing place and... Um, we were minorities at this place and he's just like told ladies like give me you know give me the hottest wings you want she went you sure <laughs> I said, yeah I'll take she's like you're gonna need something to drink yeah <laughs> he's like okay <laughs> you know and he ordered them and the people the people in the back that were cooking came out to watch him eat them oh that's they were awesome. standing behind the counter that's... like looking over peeking and like <laughs> Me and the other guy, we were just watching him going like, this is about to get real. I don't... And it, at that point, it was like a point of pride because <laughs> he's like, well, I got to eat him uh, yeah, now. It's like, for sure. And then it was just the full on, like, just eyes first and then, then the sweats. And then you like, you practically want to take your shirt off. And like, yeah. it was funny. I didn't. I was like, I'll just, you know, I tread lightly that it's like, I, <laughs> I like listen to, taste to the lady my, behind the counter. Yeah. She seems to know what she's talking about. I like it was to taste fantastic. my food. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. I like to <laughs> a little heavy, spicy. Nose running. <laughs> oh, man, they're good. Yeah. No, I'm, oh, no, no, I'm fine. No, it's good. I'm, I'm okay. I swear. It's like, you don't look so good. You're going to be all right. <laughs> you take your shirt off. <laughs> In the restaurant, <laughs> sweating. You don't even Hiccup, care. You don't care who's around you. You just take your shirt off. Anyway. They're, they're not that hot. <laughs> okay, whatever you say, man. <laughs> they they were pretty. Hot. I feel like we're you know this is this might be a challenge. We're gonna well, have to do something. I've, I've actually, um, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to do that. I think um, it would be fun to just do a version of that, like sort of maybe a six wing version. Of yeah, it I don't need. Get... I don't need to do ten stages of hell. Yeah. Right. Like they do on that show, right? But I think it would be fun just to do it with a big group of people too, like party kind of setting. Mm. To some short videos or something would be fun if we, if anything you know that would be produced out of it. But I think it would just be fun to have. Well, they have can a wing they, party where you go I would and buy twenty five pounds that. of wings or something and make. If you um, if you haven't a seen of them, the I mentioned them at the beginning of the show, the Hard Rock Radio Network. They've got a sweet setup. They got like streaming video cameras right? and stuff. Okay. They'll have guests on. So I wouldn't doubt they've already done it. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, so uh, that would be fun. But uh, that seems to be the way like a lot of podcasts are going, kind of, is there is a, a, a either live stream, most, I mean, but a lot of them are going up on host sites. I mean, there's um, a lot of different venues you can kind of do that with, right? I mean, you know, Joe Rogan's been doing it that way for a long time. Sure. Um, but even. Uh, yeah, what's what's a what's a good? I am trying to think what the your mom's house like what they use, but yeah, that seems to be fairly popular. People like actually will watch podcasts, which 
I don't have time for those that. Those show, those kind of funny podcasts I mentioned on the last show, they do all that. That mm. every one of their shows video, if you want. Well, yeah, I just, yeah, them. like most of the time I'm watching. I actually no, You're not most hot of, ones, right? All no. The, yeah, that, <laughs> no, all the time. Not even most of the time. All the time when I listen to a podcast, it's. Just on my earbuds, and you're doing something. Yeah, I'm usually yeah, I'm doing something. Either driving or whatever. And so. I don't get as much time now. I just don't have. It's I, I really miss the. Uh, I miss aspects of that being like when I worked second shift, and it would literally be six to eight hours of whatever a night. Yeah, uh, you know, audiobooks, music, and podcasts are just well awesome. Well, I uh, yeah, work. I struggle with certain podcasts because I. If it's like a kind of a podcast where it's like background noise, it's not too. It doesn't force me to think. Mm-hmm. I can do it, but a lot of the shows I listen to, I it's better for my car. Or if you're doing like a you know a job, like we you know a project at home. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I have a hard time at work, and I, I, and I, I guarantee you, I can be depending on whatever it is that I'm doing. Like, um, if I am at work and I think I got like a, I'm going to be doing something that's a little more mundane, um, like that at a computer. Um, if I turn that on, guaranteed someone's going to come interrupt me. So that's just a way for me to yeah. get interrupted. Like, I'll turn it on, and then four seconds later, someone's like, hey, I was you know, doing this thing, Speaking and I need help that, with that. And it's like, dude, really? <laughs> I just turned it on. You so. sent me a uh, playlist for, for like, it's okay, for I, focusing. I, yeah. I listened to it, and it it made me start thinking about stuff. It was, I don't remember who created this playlist, but it, they had I'll a Spotify playlist. You sent it to me, and it was I tried like, to listen to it at work, and I ended up starting to think about stuff. I'm like, nope, this is the wrong kind of playlist for work. It, it's good for instigating thinking. thoughts, but not for focusing was on my work. electronic type music? No, it was, well, there was a mixture of everything. It yeah. was electronic, there was instrumental. Well, we were, you were, used to say, it was homework music, you yes. know, back in the day. I still, listen, I mean, when I'm, when I'm at work and I've got busy work to do, like, you know, cranking through spreadsheets and stuff. I put on electronic music and I just crank through stuff. That's what I do. Really? So, so still, you churn through like, are you doing like, what are you doing? Are you doing, are you building spreadsheets and like calculations and stuff? Or are you actually yeah. just like combing them, like looking for stuff? No, like, usually building them out, like builds of material, like, oh, like what oh. things are made of. Oh, we've okay. got spreadsheets and we got to sure. go through and right figure on. out how you make stuff. And you, we've got calculations that figure out. Uh, costs and stuff so but you still got to build it out and let the mm-hmm. equations figure out the cost yeah i have like my spreadsheets got good hot spreadsheet talk uh i'll do data and, and analysis i guess or reviewing data and trying to find anomalies and things that don't make sense so sometimes it can be okay to have something going on podcast i don't but i don't ever do music maybe i'll give that a whirl but yeah, yeah. i do i still rock the electronic music you know nice. even you know, going back but lately i've been listening i have a, a playlist uh, i call it my gamey podcast where it's like like electronic it sounds like video game music oh okay it's like whoever wrote this music was inspired by video game music okay yeah when they made this stuff there's and like a lot of eight bit yeah sort of, right? stuff like that i like that so, but anyway, um, you mentioned podcasts. Do you have any podcasts you you have listened to recently you'd like to throw out there? Yeah, I've always always got my ear on something good. I, I um, I, I've been listening. I, I did enjoy the last Boogie Monster one. I thought those were funny. Like Kyle, uh, oh, what's his name? Kyle. I was thinking Dunnigan, but I know that's not right. He's funny too. Uh, he's on Corolla. He's funny. Speaking of podcasters, sure. Um. If you do know who he does the Donald Trump impression oh, on no, Instagram, no, no. and he does the uh, Kim Kardashian, like he'll do like the face mash thing, where he'll play Trump or he'll play the Kardashians all together on Instagram. Look him up, 
Kyle Dunnigan on Instagram. Okay. It's hilarious. Um, and he goes on Corolla and does his Bill Maher impression. That's pretty hilarious because he, he does a pretty spot on Bill Maher impression. So he kind of goes on there. He's just an a-hole ripping on Corolla about loving his kids. So like, look at you with your kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but the the Boogie Monster one, they, they, the last few episodes of that have been really good. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of now I want it. You now you got me thinking. I I, I didn't. Well, while you're while you're thinking, I can mention uh, by by recommendation from my brother. I started listening to Slow Burn. Slow Burn. Have you heard of that one? Slow Burn. It's a podcast Sounds about. Familiar. Well, the first season is all about Watergate. It's a historical type. podcast. Oh, I like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 pretty good. The whole and the second season, I forget. I think it's about the Monica Lewinsky. Clinton impeachment. So okay. he, he, are they themed like they're, they're have a themed season like based that. on yeah. okay. But I like this so far. I've only I've only gone two seasons in, but my knowledge base on Watergate is limited to the fact that you know what most people know that there was this big corruption thing. These guys broke into this place, and Nixon was behind it, and he got impeached. And um, but this goes so deep. It's it's the first the first episode was about I think it was Martha Mitchell. Uh, who was trying to blow the whistle on things, uh, and they sh- basically shut her down. And then the second episode is all about these congressional hearings they tried to get going as a result of Watergate scandal, and Nixon and his people basically shut those down. It's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I've never knew anything about that. So, so that's slow burn. Um, and then the one episode I've been thinking about, um, did you... It's a Rogan episode. Did you ever listen to the one? I wrote his name down in here somewhere. I wrote it down so I remember. It's a it's a guy named Robert Robert Shock. It was an episode of Joe Rogan. The guy is a geologist geologist by trade, but he's also Egyptologist and like archaeologist. Okay. And it was the one about and now I'm going to preface by saying that you know a lot of people go on the web and put out stuff and cause conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I mean, that's the whole flat earth notions. People go and start making YouTube videos, and next thing we know, people think the earth is flat. So I say this knowing that this guy is just one guy, and it's his opinion. But he is a scientist. He's got some credentials. Yeah. And his belief is that that the Sphinx was there in Egypt. It's been there for 10,000 years, not what we have our history books say that it's been there for about... I want to say 4,000 years, okay, um, roughly like that. But he believes that there was this traumatic, like, you know, like when there's a solar flare, how if we were to have a big solar flare and knock out all our electronics Yeah, and sure, stuff, it's the solar events that they talk about, sure. He believes that back in like 9,000 BC, there was this massive solar eruption that put us, put civilization into a dark age. Back then, so, and he believes that before that happened, there was actually advanced civilization. Whereas the common historical thinking is that advanced civilization began with the Egyptians around 3000 BC ish mm-hmm. type yeah. area. But he believes it became it was actually there was advanced civilizations much much earlier, back before the uh, end of the Ice Age in the 10,000s. And then there was this massive solar eruption. It put the most people were you know people were killed off. There were these uh, massive uh, storms and flooding, 
and it killed people left and right, and it put everybody into a dark Did age. Did it just cause like, the weather to go haywire, too? Weather, that, right? that was the main thing, was weather went haywire. There were massive flooding. The electrical storms, the way he described the electrical storms were on a par with, like, you know those things at Spencer's, those balls, you put your hand against them, and it, the electricity is like mm-hmm. shoots to your hands. He made it sound like, as a result of the solar flare, that... That was like widespread. There were these electrical storms that we couldn't even imagine. Like they were just raining down. Just charged. Yeah, and it and and he talks about that because his analysis of the Sphinx was that the 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 belief is that the Sphinx was weathered due to just flooding or, or erosion. But he was believed that is more to flooding that there was actually electrical. It was like plasma event, like plasma created by electrical discharges that weathered a lot of the sphinx and that there was an original sphinx that got built over top of it and some of the pyramids as well that there were original structures that got built over top of them and he also compares like a lot of the hiero hiero i can't hieroglyphs hieroglyphs and structures that were built after that because there were certain images that would appear you know like the northern lights Mm -hmm. those are those are from solar flares and they create certain you know images in the sky well, this massive solar flare, the people who were alive and actually were continued to live on, they survived, they would have saw like these massive images in the sky. And he was able, he believes that, you know, some of these images have been reproduced on, on wall paintings and stuff like that. They look like people. Okay. But, but to them, they probably looked like people in the sky. They probably thought they were gods or <clears> something <throat> like that. So... I mean, it's it, it, this whole episode. I can't wish I knew the number. Listen, I mean, it, hey, you could look it up though. It's a Joe Rogan episode. It wasn't that long ago. Robert Shock. It's it's kind of mind blowing. It it's it's um and again, I I, I I feel bad because there's a part of me that's in the back of my head. I'm saying I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, I might be spewing out. Well, he's nonsense. not the only one. Like he's and he's amongst. There's a lot of scientists now that are coming out that think that, um, the, the our our ancient history is. What we know is is rough, and there's a lot of people that have uh, opposing opinions about what or could or couldn't have happened. Like the um, um, one of the first ones that I remember, Jordan Peter, not Jordan Peterson. What was the guy? He of the Temple of the Gods or something like that. He was one of the first Rogan episodes that I ever listened to. He has a bunch of books, um, but yeah, they, this is not like I think we're gonna find. I remember when when I was a kid, my dad said uh, we were dinosaur talk, you know, and he said, you know. When I was little, they had the this dinosaur head on this dinosaur and this body with this head. And he's like, just when you grow up, you're going to find out that a lot of the stuff they're telling you now, they're wrong about. So yeah. just be skeptical. You know, I at like six, he's saying this to like this div- crazy wisdom to a six-year-old going like, hey, <laughs> you know, a lot of this stuff could be bull. And just so you know, just better to hear it now. And just so you're, as you grow up, don't assume that everything is factual Per se, you know, right. maybe, you know, maybe everybody may believe it as being factual, but, and that's what I think they're going to find out is as science and as we, we get better about discovering and figuring some of this stuff out. And then what ends up happening is there's the people that discovered something and have a reason to keep it that way. So if you're an yeah. institution or a person and you say this, and then I come along, you know, 15 or 20 years later and say, no, it's this, you go, well, that's my credibility. They just yeah. shot my credibility. Right. So they'll do anything they can to shut you right. down. Rather than advancing the field, you 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 try to stymie it because it's your own pride, which you know that's kind of seeing that getting in the way a lot of things nowadays. There but was like, a, there's a lot of that. I think that was a um, Star Talk with um, 
Uh, so what the scientist, the the one, the astrophysicist guy? Yes, I'm having a complete mind. How can I forget his name? He's I'm a big fan of his. I'm but I'm having a mind blank here. Yeah, he on was podcast. on Rogan too. He's been on Rogan several times, but on Star Talk they had a. That seems like that is rampant in in, in universities, mm-hmm. like guys, Think- people, credibility, and people just the backstabbing and and the everybody's just worried about themselves and their right. position well, on things. Well, if you had a publication and I disproved it, <laughs> now your your credibilities have gone and that's your livelihood yeah. in some cases, right? Rather right. than embracing it and going, well, I appreciate that they're advancing the field and I'd like to think that my impact was still beneficial. Yes, somehow. because you wouldn't, have, you you wouldn't have... Yeah, exactly. You right. wouldn't have gone ahead and made your discovery if you wouldn't have read my paper. Right. Fingerprint of the go- fingerprints of the gods... Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, yeah, and then Graham Hancock is Thank the you. there it is. All was one of the first <laughs> ones that I'm, I'm looking at my Audible uh, library right now. Um, oh. Yeah, that's it. So he's an Egyptologist type fella. Um, yeah, so speaking of other podcasts. Uh, yes, uh, what do you got? So I, as as we, uh, the World Series is about to start, I think last time we recorded, the Cubs were playing that night and lost yeah, in like lost, a horrible 13-inning or whatever the hell. Yes, it was stupid. Yes. Uh, it was how was it going to go anyway? Might as well just get it over with. I had a bad vibe. Yeah, You could feel it. Yeah. I think I had gone to the game the day before, game 163. I don't even think we talked about it. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> horrible is a little bit of an exaggeration. It was actually a really good time. Um, Any I, Cubs game yeah, is a good time. Yeah, I'm a good buddy, and we enjoyed ourselves. And not, We didn't go crazy or nothing, but it was just anytime you get to Wrigley Field, it's, it's fun. Um, this this is a good one. So, so um, a local uh, actor actually, or from you know relatively close to here. There's a pod, uh, the podcast with Joe Posnanski and Michael Schur. There's an episode from um, August 28th, or that's when I played it. Um, that has Nick Offerman on it. Oh, cool. Um, he's from uh, Moki, uh, Manuka. Yeah, I, well, I didn't know he was went, from Manuka, but well, I knew he was from Illinois. Went to University of Illinois okay. and whatever. And uh, they talk, they bring him on, talk about the Cubs and baseball a little bit. And but they they talk about a baseball movie and they talk about the Field of Dreams. And he goes on like a five minute rant, just tearing that movie apart. <laughs> Not like I mean, he I think he allows it to stand on the merits of it being a movie, you know, a. a for what it is but the just the lunacy of like the characters and how bad like casting and like some of the plot like the way they put it together and like the whole basis for the film is just total bulk you know <laughs> and like he's like he's driving a volkswagen fan he's a farmer he's wearing pants with no belt <laughs> like, like that's a total nick offerman thing to say it's like no farmer is going to wear j crew like denim without a belt right and he's like he goes to the seed store in the fall so no reason to go buys one bag of seed <laughs> Why would you do that? And like, well, like the whole thing is based on that's so, awesome. And then, like, the whole thing is based on like, why would he build this baseball field? It'll ruin him. And like, you know, he's like, that's like six acres. So like, any farmer who's going to make a living doing it's going to have, you know, eight hundred acres or six hundred acres or 
5,000 acres or whatever it is. He's, I'm done with these guys. Percent. You know, so, he, oh, he's crazy for building this ball diamond in the middle of his field. How's he going to make his money? It's like, well, it's not that big. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so he goes off on that, and then he talks about his wife is clearly from New Jersey, and she's supposed to be from, like, Iowa or whatever it is. So he just goes on this great rant. Not to give it all away, but it's totally worth him hearing it because he just shreds it. They, like, asked him to watch it, and then they talked about it. And it was, he was totally into it. Like, That's just cool. Five minutes straight run on, like, wait, wait so to- which one of those guys is local? Um, well, oh, you Nick were Offerman, 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 Offerman was the Offerman. guest. The podcast, I think one of their I, East Coast guys, I believe. Gotcha. I don't, I don't know if they gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so that particular episode from, um, I don't, I don't know when it came out, but it's it's called U.S. States uh, Podcast Draft. U.S. States with uh, actor Nick Offerman, and actually they do a states draft, so they have to pick a, you know, they do a, a draft like a you know fantasy football draft, but with yeah. states, and they have to pick states, which so huh. that was fun. So they go through, and that's pretty cool, and and they have to justify their picks too. So like the whole episode was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. Nice, uh, it's a little baseball. So yeah, can. World Series game one on tonight, so on the day that we're recording. Okay. And I don't know when when you, I don't know when the episode when drops. The, we are recording, yeah, ten twenty three. Well my best case scenario will be out Wednesday, ten twenty four, so we'll see what I can do. Right on. So I think I've got this app figured out. We're using a Ferrite. It's a new app I just got for the iPad, which is our it's it's taking all of our feed. So we'll see. But um all right, so there's some pod talk. Well, Clayton Let's close the show off with, um, you know, my dad listened to the last episode. Cool. And he told me, he gave me some advice. He's like, John, you should, you should be willing to take a side on things. And because I, I commented on the last show about not wanting to take a side politically, <laughs> politically on some things. And no and one's like, listening. And, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's like, so yeah. He's like, you know, you should be, you shouldn't be afraid to take a side on things. And I took that to heart, and I thought. You know what? I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a side on something, and and we're. You know, that's gonna spawn this next segment of the episode, where we talk about the Dollar Shave Club's recent um, article <laughs> okay. about wiping your ass with with paper towel or well with with clumps, with toilet, clumps of paper clumps of paper <laughs> yeah and how the Americans they in general use- we are damaging our butts with this rampant wiping. With dry paper, and we're just we're scarring and destroying. Even if it's our like asses. cotton, it's still too much. right? It's too much. I mean, you 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 can get the fanciest toilet paper there is. We're still we're wiping our butts to to bleed to the point where they're bleeding. And this isn't like I'm not just you're making doing it too much. I'm not making this up. <laughs> no, this you're is, not. You're not. I'm you're not making right. this up. This was like this I, is a I, general. Uh, this is a this is a legitimate problem in the United States. So, I can't help but think about the movie Demolition Man. Oh with yes, with Rob Schneider, and he says they don't know, they don't know about this three seashells. <laughs> three seashells. <laughs> yes, I know, man. How many? How many? So we should be based on that. Taco Bell should be have won the franchise wars and right. be the only restaurant, and we should have the three seashells. But what we're left with is wet paper. Right. Well, I appreciate <laughs> or, or, the fact that that movie they never tell you any. They don't give you details. No. You know, like a lot of movies, you know, they always got to spell everything out or they have, you know, they they explain everything. But that movie was so, you know, open-ended, like the way that, like the three seashells. And they just, I've, I think people, everybody who's watched, anybody who's watched that movie is still to this day like, what do those three seashells do? (laughs) Right. 
I actually still work? don't know, but I assume they they were magic, obviously. Uh, oh, that's yeah. funny. So no, I that was a, I, I I'm a Dollar Shave Club member, not and I'm not getting it, any I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm just I just am because it's a convenient service, and I get a newsletter. I was and that too. was a recent recent newsletter item was uh, how Americans are destroying their butts with with paper, and that they should be using. You know, wet wipes, which when I think about it, like when I wipe my my baby, my toddler, well, my little baby, Mm. when I wipe his butt, you know, two wipes and boom, boom, and I'm done. And then, you know, I sit there and, you know. There's no hair on his butt, though. That's true. That changes things. But it's, I mean, maybe three or four for an adult man, right? (laughs) The hairy ass. But this kind of made me think about, that's like an invention waiting to happen, like, well, you know, they like have the, the, you know, like the diaper genies they use for for diapers. I think that this would work because you can't flush wipes down the toilet. At least you shouldn't. Yeah. You even should. if they say you should, even if they say you can, you shouldn't. And so you really need to have some yeah, sort the, of a the, trash can there that will accept the bad wipe. So I was kind of thinking this is like an invention possibility. So if anybody invents this. I, I would prefer I get a cut because I'm suggesting it right now that there should be a diaper genie type device that sits next to your toilet for, well, you know, wipes for I, adults. I think, I think that I think the that's um, me again. I think the it is the the, the bidet type thing that's going to happen, right? So I don't know. It's just well, that have you added, used it? Have you I, used a fancy bidet I before? Have, but it's the expense. a really good one. I can't justify paying to put one in though. And the space. Oh no, it's the same size. Oh, you can no, get. No, no, but you get, gotta have both. Right? No, no, you can get. They have the the Toto like washlet. What's that? It's it's the it's a toilet that has one in it, and then it's. How is that sanitary? How can that mix? I don't know, man. I've we we stayed at a great hotel and they had that and it and it was a remote control. And it, what? It was, what do you mean a remote control? There's a contro- control on the side. It was, a, I guess, it was, you, could, you could. I don't know if it was cord. I don't remember exactly, but it had. It was like a thing that it was. The water was heated. You could adjust it. You could go up and down with it. You could have three different strengths. You know, high, medium, low. It had air freshener built into it. <laughs> it had a dryer built into it, and then it, you could you could blast. You know, and then hit the thing, and it was heat. So it was warm, and it was just. <laughs> I mean, I I, I just don't understand. I, we stayed one night. I used it three times, <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, there was no paper wadded up, wet or dry. And I mean, you you have to do. I think because we're so accustomed to using the wadded up paper that we, you, if you use one for the first time, you still have to go in and inspect, <laughs> right? Okay. You, you have to check and yeah, make, make sure, sure it's clean. did this. Go as it said. I mean, as yeah. designed. And I tell you what, it was pretty fantastic. It worked marvelously. I think you're right. I mean, I think you can buy adapter toilet seats that go onto your current toilet that do that now. That, and I think that's kind of what these. But this was particular one was like. I they, see. So but the, like, the Japanese are way ahead of us. On oh this. yeah, I would imagine. So I, I I don't know if the diaper genie thing is something we'll see that'll be dated quickly. I I, I think. The, the quickest way to get rid of it is just flush it and hope for the best. I, I think there are sanitary, like, the people that work for the cities and stuff are going, like, please, people, stop flushing these things. They're, yeah. They're terrible. Yeah. Because they, they gum everything up, right? Right. No, even the, if they say, you know. They're flushable. They, and they, then, you know, I've heard, oh, you can, you can flush one. But even that, it will catch something and stay there. And like you said, gumming up. 
and next thing you know, it, it, even if you flush just one, it, if it finds, if there's a spot in the pipe anywhere where there's like a crevice or a crack, it'll cling to it, and then another one will come along two days later. Is grab it that it. bad? It, it, oh. Yeah, I mean they grab each other. I know other. the city of Ottawa actually. There was a, but they put an article that said basically, please, Don't people, stop. stop. <laughs> so, but uh, we use them and flush them. So I'm hoping oh, for the best. Man. But I have a pretty quick. If I had to dig it out, it wouldn't be. I know it's probably messing the city up. But <laughs> I should get the wash let, like I said, right? <laughs> oh, here so I that's go it. Again. Oh, I did it again. Uh, what happened? A stupid thing. No, we're good. We're good. We're oh. good. Fair right. It's working fine. Oh, so it's just time. Off. It's fine. It's just it's it's fine. We're sorry. Okay. Yes. But yes, okay. So um, everybody, use wet wipes on your butt. Or invent something better. Or invent something better. Or get a bidet. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to get I've never that. heard I think of this Toto thing, though. Well, that's... I think Toto is just like a brand of toilet, right? That's an Asian. It's a Japanese brand, I believe, Toto. I don't you know. see urinals and stuff that are Toto brand. But they have the wash. Look it up. There's all, they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> and if I if I get, you know, wealthy... You can come to my house. I'll let you use mine. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. Well, hey, normally you probably play home games only, but I'll let you play an away game. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's. I think that's about a good place to close out the show. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. If you can end on a little bit of toilet paper and demolition man talk, I think we've done just I'm fine. happy. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks, John. Yes. That's it. Thanks, Clayton. Yeah. We'll see you around. Yeah. There's no hair on his butt, though. That's That's, true. That changes things. But...